everybody. This is Noelle. And I'm Jenna. And this is More Than Murder, where we delve into everything eerie with a side of true crime. More Than Murder is not your typical true crime podcast. Join us on a weekly tour through the haunted, the bloody, the creepy, and the nutty on our Freaky Fridays. Hello, my sweet pea. Hello. It is a cold New York April day. And it's snowing. And it's snowing. It's wet and cold. I'm over it. Yeah, yeah. I knew it was coming. I knew there was going to be at least one more. But, like, my tree is blooming and everything else is blooming. Well, that's the problem. Everything bloomed early. I know. I know. Mm Mm-hmm. So, well, um, we're going to tell you a little bit about some updates on some things we did recently, as you guys know. But we'll do that at the end of the episode, so stay tuned. To talk about some things coming up and where to find it. Yeah. But today, we are going to take another road trip because I've just been dying to go on vacation, apparently. Dude, me too. (laughs) And it's snowy, so it's a perfect day to go to St. Augustine, Florida. Oh, yes. Warm it up in here. Yeah, we're warming it up. We're going to pretend it's sunny and 87 degrees. Florida. Florida E. Yeah. (laughs) So we're going to go to the St. Augustine Lighthouse today. If you haven't already guessed it, today is another haunted episode. And so St. Augustine is super historic all in itself. There's like tons of places that are apparently very haunted in mm-hmm. St. Augustine. Mm-hmm. Um, the St. Augustine Lighthouse is just like kind of one of the places or maybe even the tip of the iceberg. Who knows? I haven't <laughs> been able to look too far into the other places yet, but... Of course, we're going to start with the history of the lighthouse because you can't understand hauntings without knowing what caused them and who was doing the haunting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, the St. Augustine Lighthouse can be found along the eastern coast of Florida, right in between Jacksonville and Daytona Beach. So, kind of like right in the middle there. Going all the way back to the 1500s, the Spanish were building the Castillo de San Marcos in St. Augustine to give Florida a defense along the Atlantic trade route. So they built they built that, and I believe that's where the Ghost Adventures had toured, is the Castillo de San Marcos. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, just so you guys know what I'm talking about, we were talking about before we started the episode that Ghost Hunters has been to the St. Augustine Lighthouse Ghost Adventures has been to the Castillo de San Marcos. Oh, there's so many of them. Yes. So, the building that they built, the building that they built, (laughs) was a masonry fort at the time and is now a national monument. I'm sure the fort itself could be a future episode in and itself at some point with how old it is. I want to go. This shit's so old. I know. I know. Anyway, they while they were building that, because this place is gigantic, this fort is absolutely huge, they also built watchtowers along the coast so they could see incoming ships and I'm sure like storms and stuff. Smart, yeah. Yeah. Well, the wooden structure that was the watchtower to the north eventually becomes the St. Augustine Lighthouse. Oh, The first cool. version of it. Cool, cool. The wooden structure lasted till about the 1700s, when in 1737, the Spanish replaced it with a new watchtower made of coquina shell rock and wood, and that stood 30 feet tall. So at first, they had this wooden structure, and they were like, this isn't lasting very well. We're going to just kind of tear that down and fortify it with coquina shell rock Mm -hmm. and other wood. 
So that's the 30 feet tall. And at the time, that's pretty tall, I feel like, for 1737. Before the American Revolution, most of the Spanish people fled to Cuba, probably not wanting anything to do with war with the British or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Apparently, they took everything with them. Like, I mean, when the British arrived, there was hardly even a town. The Spanish people took all the lumber. The homes were made from down to the nails. Okay, they took it. I don't blame. They're like, you put our hard work into this shit. This is my fucking house. You're coming with me. I'm taking it and I'm rebuilding. You go, people. But there was still the watchtower. They did not tear the watchtower down. They probably had no need for it. They didn't have no time either. (laughs) For a 30 foot tower made of coquina shell. Uh huh. So. In 1763, during the British invasion, after they had fled to Cuba, they added 30 more feet of wood to the height of the watchtower. And at this time, a newspaper article made mention of the structure being a lighthouse. So it's very possible that the British had added some some form of a light to the top Mm -hmm. after they added 30 extra feet. So now it's 60 feet tall and possibly has a light on it. This was, of course, a heavily traveled route with ships carrying goods to trade, and when they had no way of seeing land or other ships in their vicinity, I mean, there was all sorts of wrecks. Yeah. Florida has several of these ships that they have allowed for excavation and research, one of them coming from a gigantic shipwreck on New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve, (laughs) New Year's Eve in 19... New Year's Eve in 1782. On this night, Florida was experiencing a cyclone, which is pretty much a hurricane or a typhoon or tropical storm of yeah, sorts. Yeah, Scary. Yeah. But and not having no, n- no means of seeing anything. It's a heavily traveled route right now. Uh-huh. 16 ships that night crashed. Jesus Christ. 16, yes. And so one of those boats that Florida has comes from that crash of the 16 ships. Cool, I want to see it. I know. I love those maps that you can see of, like, the shipwrecks. They even have them in for all the lakes around here. Uh-huh. Like, you can yeah, see all yeah. the shipwrecks and stuff, and I'm, yes. I love that stuff. So. Oh, that's so cool. I would love to be one of the people that go, like, down into the water and go snooping around in the old ships, especially Titanic. Oh, hell oh, yeah. I know. Hell yeah. All day. <sighs> I would just, I don't know, it... Scuba sounds so fun, but there's that part of me that's like, oh boy, oh boy, yeah. it's a little scary. I get scared of just like my oxygen tank malfunctioning. While that's I'm, like, my down point. Yes, deep you're down deep and you're just, yeah, and you've got the pressure building. Yes, like, uh, yes, it sounds fun, but it's like, I'll like, stick to snorkeling for now. <laughs> Let me get used to the snorkeling. <coughs> I. Don't want to snor- like if we go somewhere where we could swim with dolphins or something and they give you a choice. I don't want to snorkel. I do want to take a scuba class because they're not taking you like no, super no, deep down. No. You're just able to go down without having your thing fill up with water because you have an oxygen tank instead. And that's what I prefer. I hate the scuba and just staying on the surface. I I or the, it's fun in those really yeah. bright tropical places yeah. where it's like the school of fish are right there and it's just like whoa yeah. I'd rather yeah. swim down there with the with the sharks. You know, like, they're very peaceful when they're not hungry. Oh, that's stuff, Sean's, you know? like, goal like, oh, in life is to swim with sharks. <laughs> Ask him about it. Like, I'm sure. Mr. Jaws. In life. I'm like, you're fucking... All right. <laughs> I would love the Even, like, the, the rays swimming by, and then a pot of dolphins comes, and I just feel like, and, like, <laughs> glory underneath the water and the ocean. Oh, oh yeah. Amazing. <laughs> 
<clears throat> All right, let's go back on track here. <laughs> After the American Revolution ended and the Treaty of Paris was signed, a bit of history, in 1783, the Spanish regained control over the land in Florida and immediately removed the extra wooden construction made by the British and refortified the structure again with coquina shell. Because they know that the wood isn't going to work. Yeah. So they took that wooden down and then they just replaced it with coquina shell. So it's possible that if the British were using the structure as a lighthouse of sorts, that it became a watchtower again under the Spanish. That's just some weird thing that I read and I was like, okay, maybe I should mention it. During the second reign of the Spanish, many families came back from Cuba and are still here today. Being some of the oldest family names in the area... Hernandez, Ponce, and Sanchez are all historic names, so if you have one of those as your last name or know someone who does, know their families have been here for a very long time. Hmm. Mm-hmm. In 1822, the Fresnel Lens was created, which I loved reading about this because when I was in the Outer Banks and we went up in the lighthouse, we learned about the Fresnel Lens because I'm pretty sure that one has the Fresnel Lens as well. Oh, okay. It, it became the the main that they would use because before that all of the lighthouse lights in America were really dim compared to the ones in Europe. Yeah. And that's yeah. because the Fresnel lens was created in France and they were using this Fresnel lens and finally America got the Fresnel lens and that's what had made the lighthouses so bright. Yeah. So it's pretty neat. So it could actually be seen from sea. Which is the point of it all. Yes. Yes. So just squinting. Is that a light? Exactly. I guess let's go towards it. Maybe it's a flash (laughs) water. All right, so like I said, in 1822, that Fresnel lens was created, which was, like I said, new and better lens for the lighthouse lights, which helped reflect the lights better and brighter. Mm -hmm. And in 1853, the St. Augustine Tower was improved and installed one of those Fresnel lenses. And I believe the keeper who had replaced the lens, because it was like a historic moment. You oh, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. They replaced this lens to this new magnificent lens. His name was R- William Russell. I was going to say William Russell. <laughs> <laughs> like my dual real real. Uh-huh. Yeah. So during the Civil War, Confederate sympathizers had actually taken over that part of the area and, in, you know, invaded the lighthouse. They uh-huh. stole the lens and hid it. A-holes. Yeah, they stole it and hid it. And it's like, the reason why they did this, even though it could literally cause so many accidents, they didn't care about the accidents Well, they didn't caused. want people to know that they were... No, that's not it. They were trying to prevent union ships from coming in. Yeah, yeah. So if union yeah. ships couldn't see, yep, yep. then they, they wouldn't come people, in. Because uh-huh. it was, you know, the sea is a very good tactical yeah. war thing. You hear about it all the time, even in, like, Anglo-Saxon days. Yeah. You know, they sit up on these big hills so that they can see all around them. Mm-hmm. So they didn't want that freaking lighthouse mm-hmm. to be working, assholes. Yep. So finally, when the Civil War ended, the sympathizers were arrested and lightkeepers from the towers in the north were assigned to Florida to replace the Confederate lightkeepers. The sympathizers that were arrested were forced to tell of the lens's location, and in 1867, the light was relit, and I believe this is the same lens that is still in use and active in the lighthouse to this day. That's a cool story about a lens, man. I know. That's what I thought, too, when we went to the tour at the lighthouse and... and uh, Outer Banks. It's amazing. That's why I love lighthouses. I just, I'm so drawn to them. That's why if you guys listened 
to this podcast before and know the first episode. <laughs> I've already yeah. done a lighthouse episode. Yeah, yeah. There will probably be more <laughs> as I learn. <sighs> All right, so I just had to take a nice deep breath. <laughs> However, by this time in 1867, the sea levels were rising, and it was super apparent that there would they that, that there would need to be a new lighthouse, possibly even at a new location. Yeah. It's not too far off where they built it. When you're at the lighthouse, you can actually see... Where the where, other one was. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's a lot like the one in Outer Banks also. They actually had to move it. They literally picked it up and moved the lighthouse with some crazy rollers underneath it. Yeah. And moved it back because, of course, Outer Banks will will not exist someday. Yeah, and yeah, Florida might not keeps... either. But oh yeah, but those those the peninsula outer... places mm-hmm. and just oh. Outer Banks is a complete little island. It's and scary. It, with it's the the land has receded a lot oh, with yeah. the water yeah, already. Yeah, I so believe it. someday they might have to try to figure out how to move the lighthouse again. Who knows? Move the whole freaking place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's sad. Outer Banks is one of my absolute. It's such a a gem. Yeah. For some reason, yeah. it really is. When you go there, it's just a different feeling. You know, you go to the. There's like 200 miles of road on the Outer Banks, and each beach you stop at are hardly ever populated. Every time we've gone, it's only been us on the beach, and it's amazing. It's lovely. It's just amazing. It's just so strange. It's like everybody there is used to it, and you hear people like vacationing there all the time. Yeah, yeah. See people on the beach. Weird. It's amazing. I just love it so much. (laughs) So. Because the sea levels were rising and it would need, they would thought that there was going to need to be, you know, a move of it. Not only that, but the lightkeeper in 1874, William R. Russell, would have to trek from the keeper's home to the lighthouse with the sea encroaching. And it was at night and it would be pretty dangerous. Yeah. Because, you know, he probably couldn't see. Well, no, I guess he could see with the lighthouse being there, but still. But still. Yeah. They're tall. Especially with storms going on at night mm-hmm. and things like that. The government allocated $100,000 at the time, which is a big amount, I feel like, to the construction of a new lighthouse not too far from the original, as well as the lightkeeper's home. Because, of course, you need somebody to be on the, on the property at, at the time. All times, yeah. Nowadays, we don't need one, which we'll talk about, but at the time, you needed someone to light the light, the, light, the light in the lighthouse. Yeah. Like, you yeah, actually had to light sure it, and you had to keep the oil filled and yeah. things like that, so... In 1871, construction began on a new 165-foot lighthouse, and it wasn't completed until three three years later in 1874. I had a hard time corroborating the date for some reason, but it is said that the old lighthouse did fall into the ocean around 1880, from my research. Hmm. Toward the end of 1941, there was a new coastal lookout station that was built in construction... <laughs> Conjuncture. Yes. <laughs> I'm saying like construction too uh-huh, much yeah, and all of that structure. Great. That was built in conjuncture, I was gonna say it again, to the St. Augustine Lighthouse at the St. Augustine Light Station. So by the time so keep that in mind, okay? So that there was an extra building. So you had the lighthouse, you had the lightkeeper's house, and then you had the coastal lookout station all in that little plot there okay next to each other because it will come up in the ghost section okay yeah (laughs) by the time 1970s or 80s came again that was like a weird date to corroborate it was either 70s or 80s 
The lightkeeper's home was vacated for many years at this point, and there was a suspicious fire that completely ruined the entire interior of the lightkeeper's home. Hmm. Florida was actually going to sell the land. I believe that there was already a guy who had, had already bought the property and already was ready to bulldoze it. <laughs> bulldoze the building to create freaking condos. Oh, okay. It's always condos. Right. But why would you buy why would you be building condos right by the lighthouse? I don't know. Like you have people going there, like mm-hmm. seriously, right by the lighthouse, you're gonna have condos and you're gonna expect people not to ruin shit and I mean that's just a dumb idea. I agree. But luckily, the Junior Service League, which let me say it consisted of sixteen women, stepped in and promised to restore the building and turn it into a maritime museum. And it was added to the National Register of Historic Places. Oh, good. The Junior Service League ended up raising over $1.2 million wow. toward the restoration of just the Keeper's home. And this was in what year? This was in like the 70s and the 80s. Yeah, yeah, okay. Throughout, throughout until the 90s, because then I do say that it became a full-time maritime museum in 1994. Okay. So. That's a lot of money still, you know. Yeah, like, not dang. that long of a time, really, mm-hmm, for that mm-hmm. amount of money and for... The cause that it was, it wasn't like for cancer or anything, you know, it was for uh-huh. a freaking light keeper's I know. home. So I, it's, it's pretty know. neat. I mean, that is the perfect place to have a museum because it's right next to the lighthouse. Yeah. It was pretty good size, probably. Like, it's perfect. You can just put all the stuff in there. Well, People can go through and then they can go through the lighthouse. And Bam. it's so historic, anyways. Yeah. You know, most lighthouses nowadays are museums. The yeah, lighthouse yeah. in itself is a museum. You can tour through that. Then they have, usually you can tour through the keeper's homes and the homes that are on the property. Yep, yep. And then usually they have their own little gift shop or informational museum place you can walk through and get your own Always. stuff. And I'm, I'm a sucker for gift That's shops, man. Same. Souvenirs are my thing. You know, same. Love souvenirs. We went to Gettysburg and spent a lot of time <laughs> just looking at magnets and all this stuff. Uh-huh. Like, oh, look at this shirt. Oh, look at that. Love uh, a good souvenir shop. And the books. I know. Oh, my God. The freaking Lincoln Memorial literally has, like, an elevator up to, like, a library. Oh, my God. And gift shop. And I was like, oh. And we went in, like, February, so it was, like, 30 degrees. And uh-huh. it was, like, kind of warmer up there. And I'm like, uh, don't ever leave. Rest <laughs> it. I yeah. need to look at all the books, guys. <laughs> at the Outer Banks, at the Lighthouse, there is, there were books on, like, haunted Around there in the lighthouse and stuff. Oh, I'm like, yeah. God damn it, why didn't I buy it? Exactly, you it. exactly. <laughs> oh. oh gosh. All right. So the history portion of this episode was from St. Augustine Lighthouse.com. Actually, sorry, St. Augustine Lighthouse.org, I believe. I wanted to actually quote them with their timeline of the lightkeepers oh, okay. in St. Augustine because it's kind of hard to not. It was easier just to quote them and, and let you know what they said. So. Juan Andrew, Andrew, Andro served as keeper, the first one, I believe, until 1845. And the records are unclear as to who took over and served as lighthouse keeper from 1845 to 1849. Juan Carrera, who also was known as John, because that's John in American or English, yeah, yeah. served as keeper from 1849 until his death in 1853 when Robert Mickler then served temporarily for six months before Juan Andrew's cousin, Joseph, or Jose Andrew, took over the lightkeeping duties in 1854. 
Joseph attended the light until tragedy struck when the okay so listen to this Joseph attended the light until tragedy struck when the scaffolding from which he was painting the tower failed oh god so he was way up on scaffolding painting the tower it was December 10th 1859 um, and the edition that day's edition of the St. Augustine Examiner tells that Joseph first struck the roof of the oil room about 30 feet below when he glanced off it says and struck the stone wall which encloses the lighthouse and then hence to the ground killing him instantly oh yeah after joseph fell his wife maria actually took over and this is also quoting the source quote the coast guard recognizes maria andro as the first hispanic woman to serve in the coast guard or its predecessor services and the first to command a federal shore installation oh so i thought that was pretty cool heck yeah between 1871 and 1874, as we now know, the new lighthouse was under construction. Mm-hmm. A superintendent of the construction was called to the home to supervise the construction process. His name was Hezekiah Pitty. Mm-hmm. He was the man in charge and moved from Maine with his wife, Mary, and four children. They had three daughters, Mary Adelaide, who was 15, Eliza, who was, I know, who was 13, and Carrie, who was four, as well as one son named Edward. I'm not sure how old he was at the time, but they were really kind of along the same age groups there. Okay. I would assume maybe he was in between Eliza and Carrie, between 13 and the four-year-old, somewhere in there. Fun little fact, at one point, Edward had created a homemade parachute and wanted to test it out. As all kids fucking do, man. Leave it to the little boy to do what he does next. Um, leave it to my sister. <laughs> yeah, we're cracking my head open on the metal bunk bed. <laughs> <laughs> so, Edward strapped the homemade parachute to the family kitty cat and dropped it from the top of the lighthouse, which stood well over 125 feet oh, at the time because it God, was like in yeah. construction. Oh. It wasn't fully built yet. The cat glided down to the ground and made a safe landing and was not hurt in the process at all. Fucking parachute works. Except I'm sure he's now scared and probably hated Edward after that. Oh, 100%. <laughs> probably would not let that boy come near him ever again. I just picture these kids just bopping around a fucking construction site. Like, mm-hmm. Jesus, God damn it. Yeah, I mean, they loved to run about the construction site uh-huh. and use it kind of as a playground, as oh, kids yeah. would, uh-huh. you know, and often and even invited the workers' children to play with them as well. Oh, because, yeah, yeah. You know, so they all were just running amok in the construction site. <laughs> so safe. OSHA would be so proud. Oh, God. <laughs> OSHA would have a fucking aneurysm. Uh-huh. <laughs> So, on the building site, I gotta get serious here because this is a sad moment and will contribute to most of the ghost occurrences or spiritual occurrences at this place later on. In the lighthouse. Okay, okay. So, on the building site was a railway cart that they used to kind of transport supplies and materials from one part of the site to another. So, it's not that there was a train, they just had a cart trail that, uh, you know, tracks for the trail or whatever. The kids would hop in the cart and ride it like a roller coaster down to the shore. Oh, uh, I'd fucking who do the that. Fuck wouldn't I yeah. would do that all day? Even long. as an adult, I'd be doing Hell that. Hell, fucking yeah! Every time I'd see all it, all day down to the beach, like heck yeah, that's man. exactly how it would be. Uh, and pack it, up your rail cart with your towel and your sunscreen and your snacks, yeah, your things, and then whee! Yeah. Awesome. So there was a wooden plank at the end of this tracks. So that was the only thing that would stop the track 
from the car. Yeah, yeah from yeah. the car. Yeah, yeah. So that was under the track. The only thing that stopped the cart from riding clear into the ocean was this wooden plank. Oh god. Which honestly, like we just said, sounds like so much fun to me. Anyway, but you gotta <laughs> think. I mean, with with the speed that they were probably going and the weight that they probably suckered in there. Yeah, you never know. Oh, you could so. easily just bye yeah. bye plank. Well, one day on July 10th in 1873, the three girls, Edward and an unknown girlfriend of theirs, were, it was like one of their construction workers' friends' daughters, mm-hmm. were playing and having fun riding in the cart, walking it back up to the site and riding it again and again and again. One of the rides would turn out to be a tragedy, though, as the wooden plank at the end of the track was not in place as it was supposed to be. Oh, no. When the girls and Edward came... And the cart came to the end of the track. The cart kind of like just tipped into the ocean. Okay. And it trapped everybody in the water beneath it. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Now, from most of my research, it does say that it was only the three daughters and their friend. But then there was another one that I saw that Edward was involved as well. So I'm just going to kind of include him. He may not have been. If you knew different, if you know different, you know, feel free to let me know. But that's, I'm just going to include him because one did say. Yeah. So one of the construction workers had witnessed this and ran to rescue the girls. You got to imagine this rail cart is probably fairly heavy. Yeah. And it's also suctioned. You know how like when you put a cup upside down in the water, it kind of gets suctioned by the water? And you have the sand underneath it. It probably sunk into. Yeah. probably just, yeah. So he was struggling trying to lift the cart off of them from the water. And he finally did and found that the four-year-old little girl, Carrie, and Edward were the only survivors. Oh, wow. The three other girls, Mary, Eliza, and their unknown friend, had had passed away. They had drowned to death. Mm -hmm. Construction was temporarily halted for the funerals of the girls, and the Pity family was going back to Maine for a time to lay their girls to rest. So I kind of bounced back and forth there. I mentioned this after the fire. The fire, like I said, happened later in in the 1960s, but... Um, I wanted to mention this now because we're going to go right into the ghosts now. And those those children have a lot to do with the ghosts there. All right. All right. Now. That little girl in the middle doesn't look very happy. They all don't really look very happy, but that little girl in the middle definitely like. You know, they were all told never to smile in pictures at this point. Well, these cameras, you had to sit there for 10 fucking hours so it could, like, draw you, but still, no one looks happy. They're like, how long is this going to fucking take? We want to go ride our cart. Farthest over to the left. She looks like she's, like, a little happy. She's like, okay, I might be smiling a little bit. Yeah, I think that's Eliza all the way over to the left. And then middle is Carrie. Carrie. Yep, and then Mary Adelaide all the way to the right. Oh, Adelaide. I know. Ah. I'm going to adopt a cat and name it Adelaide then. By the way, do you see this picture at the very end of the lighthouse? It is such a beautiful picture. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh that Florida God. sky. I know, it's and so just gorgeous. you can tell that it's probably just gorgeous. I love this early lighthouses for some reason. All right, so as we were saying, we know lots about this place. We know how very old and historic it is. About some of the deaths that happened there, we can't forget about Joseph falling from the scaffolding. Oh, yeah. Crushing just oh, mm-hmm. awful deaths. Smacking everything on his way down. We know about the fire that gutted the inside of the keeper's home in the 70s or 80s. Mm-hmm. So, even back in the 50s, 1950s, I'll just emphasize that because we've gone through a couple different 50s now. Uh-huh. 
1700, 1800, 1700, 1800, 1800, 1800, 1800, 1800, in the keeper's home and things, only to find no one there. The head keeper and last keeper between 1853 and 1855 was James Pippin and originally lived in the actual keeper's house. If you remember the coastal lookout building that I mentioned, I said to remember it was built in 1941 or something. So James ended up moving into the building, that little coastal building, to live, saying, quote, that the big house was haunted and he would not stay another night. I believe it. Yeah. So, remember, of course, the girls who perished in the drowning? Mm-hmm. Well, though the family had laid Mary and Eliza to rest, the girls' spirits don't stay there long. Mary and Eliza are two of the most active and famous spirits at the St. Augustine Lighthouse to this day. Oh, it's kind of neat, though. Mm-hmm. They're, they just loved playing They're like, mm-hmm. they loved it there, it seems. You gotta think they came from Maine to Florida. I know. They were you going know? back to Maine. Coastal, beautiful Florida. And it's like, I I know. Nuh-uh, man. I, I got mean, this ocean. Maine is coastal, water. too, but it's cold. Cold coastal. Yeah. <laughs> Not like Florida. Tropical no, coastal. Exactly. So, the lighthouse lamp became fully automated in 1955, which is why James Pippin was the last keeper. The Coast Guard then replaced the keepers with lamp lighters instead, and usually they were just someone who lived nearby, and so they had the keeper's home available for rent there. Because these were local people who would just come, light the lamp. They weren't somebody that constantly had to make sure the oil was up and all that stuff. So, at one point in the 60s, when this... Keeper's home was for rent. A local leather crafter was renting the property and reported waking up one night only to find a small girl standing right by his bed. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently he blinked to, you know, wake up a little and to see her more clearly because he didn't seem afraid. He just wanted to, like, see Am I who seeing was what the, I'm yeah. seeing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when he opened his eyes, she was gone. Oh, wow. This happens a lot. People will see these girls and they'll kind of blink or get distracted and look away for a brief moment and look back and they'll be gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost as if they're like, oh crap, they caught me. I'm (laughs) going to escape while they're not looking. Uh You know, they're like playing hide and seek. The girls seem to like to play hide and seek with the workers on the property and the guides as well as tourists. One reported, I believe it was a guide, he reported hearing giggling at the top of the stairs, I believe in the lighthouse, but I don't quote me. That might have been in the keeper's home. They did not say specifically which which stairs it was. But he heard giggling at the top and he was like, maybe I like left someone behind or a kid was left behind up there in the tour. So he goes up there, and no one's there, of course. Nothing, of course. As he comes down the stairs, he hears the giggling at the bottom of the stairs. As he oh, so, so they're, they they're are, playing, yeah. They're playing hide-and-seek. They're like, <laughs> he's not finding us. You know, it's, it's kind of adorable. And just giggling. And fun, yeah. They've also been seen peeking around corners. And there was another instance when a patron on a ghost tour there at the lighthouse was walking along a path. I... I imagine they didn't give specifics as to what time of day it was during the tour. I would imagine 
because it was a ghost tour. They have, what is it called? Dark of the Moon, I think, tours or something like that is what they're oh, called there. Okay, so they're like nighttime yep. type ghost tours. tours. Yeah. yeah. And so she was in the ghost tour. So I imagine this dark path with maybe a couple lights. I don't know how, how it looks. But there's this bench here. She sees a girl in a very old style clothing and dress was sitting on a bench just reading a book. And another group was about to approach. So the woman kind of like looked over to the the sound she was hearing of the other group. And when she looked back at the bench, the girl was gone. Yep. Yep, the girl was gone. And I just can picture the setting. You know, she's walking along this dark path and there's a bench and she sees this misty, weird looking little girl Uh in clothes. Like, ooh, gives me (laughs) shivers. When the keeper's home had burned, the basement was left in pretty good condition and was the only thing that needed not any restoration. Mm. Because of that, it's said to also be a place of a lot of activity because that's one of the still very original places. A frightening spirit, they say, is found in the basement, and it's that of a man, I think they even call it the man, Mm. who brings a really negative foreboding feeling with him. He appears as an actual shadow figure, and the shadow figure when the shadow figure is around, you're actually able to smell the scent of cigar smoke. Ah. And there's a couple different people that they suspect this to be, but um, to me, none of the people really seem like they would have a sense of foreboding. So it is pretty interesting. And they also say that at this lighthouse, there are a lot of... Um, shadow figures and full mm-hmm. full body apparitions, apparitions. Mm-hmm. even zach baggins with the ghost adventures i don't know i don't know how true this is i didn't watch it i don't think i'll have to see if i can watch theirs now because i oh no they didn't go there they went to the other yeah place. so it was ghost hunters that said that they did see in the lighthouse someone peering over the railings and oh. that is something that is to be said. They they literally saw a dark figure leaning over the railing, kind of like watching. Hmm. So some say that the spirit in the basement is William Russell, that light keeper that changed the Fresno lens and yeah, all that. Yeah. Because they think he's protecting the place from the tourists and possible intruders. Apparently he was very passionate and very protective of the lighthouse and things like that. So I suppose... Yeah. The protectiveness might be that feeling of foreboding you're getting because he's kind of like warning you like, hey, this is my place. This is a place of history. Uh Don't fuck with it. And even when he was there, there probably weren't many people around. It was just kind of him in the lighthouse. Yeah. Now there's tons of people coming through every single day, every single night. And he's just like, Mm -hmm. oh boy, nothing better happened in my lighthouse. Mm -hmm. And he happened to smoke a cigar back then. So I think that they just... Smell him walking around, puffing on a cigar. Hmm. So, if you guys have the chance to watch uh, BuzzFeed Unsolved Paranormal, because I think they only have, like, certain little series. I think they have a true crime one. Yeah, they make a true crime one. They they look back at different kinds of things. It's like their their BuzzFeed Unsolved Supernatural or something like that. They're trying to find out, do ghosts really exist? Yeah, and then this one was the BuzzFeed Unsolved Paranormal, I think it's called. Okay. And that's when they went... And they went into this this lighthouse, and I urge you guys to watch it. They get some pretty good evidence, but it's just funny. I like it. So, remember Joseph Andrew that fell from the lighthouse when his scaffolding fell? How could I forget? He can see be seen meandering the top of the lighthouse 
like walking oh, just around, around, and around and around. Oh god. The the top part, you know, the black railings and I would be at the bottom. If I fell that way, I would just be at the bottom for the rest of my life. I know. I'm not going up no steps. <laughs> I'm not going out anywhere. So oh. there was something in the it was mentioned in the BuzzFeed Unsolved about one of the workers who had hanged himself on the property at some point long, long, long ago. Huh. And that that is an apparition that can be seen. I didn't see anything a lot about that at all in my research. So I just wanted to throw that in at the end because yeah, we are yeah. closing it up. Okay. I am absolutely sure there are more ghost stories than those I've told. And I'm absolutely sure that a lot of people... Maybe some of you that have been listening have gone to visit the St. Augustine Lighthouse. It's a huge tourist place. Oh, I'm sure. Especially in St. Yeah. Augustine. So, or any of the other haunted places in St. Augustine that are now on the list. Mm-hmm. Please email them to us and we'll share them with our listeners on our YouTube content. You know, if you want to share it, that you've been to the St. Augustine Lighthouse, if you've gone to their Dark of the Moon ghost tour or anything like that, Heck it'd be yeah. super cool to hear from you. Maybe we'll even be able to, like, interview some of their guides or something sometime. Oh, yeah, that'd be really cool. So, I know, like I said, Ghost Hunters has also been there, so if you're a fan of them, you can check that out. And then, I'm not a huge fan of theirs, Um, so, like I said, or you can check out BuzzFeed on I think I've watched Ghost Hunters, really. They're the main, they're the first ones that started, oh, what was that? Oh, did you hear that? Uh, It was like nothing that you would hear. Now... Ghost Adventures was kind of done. In the beginning, like we said before, they never did that stuff. Yeah. And now it's all about, like, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Did you feel that? I feel, I feel like my throat's closing. I feel like this. It's like stuff that we can't, we're like, ah, I'm not feeling like that. How do I know? know. It's it's frustrating. (laughs) It is. So, that is that. Um, If you want to go ahead and check out the website, and check out the blog to see any corresponding pics from this episode. You can go to morethanmurderpod.com. I might try to find... BuzzFeed Unsolved seemed to have some sort of black and white photos of some of the characters that I mentioned. I didn't find any. If I do seem to find some, I will leave those pictures as well. The pictures you can see are just the um, Coquina Tower from the first lighthouse that you saw already, Jenna. And then... The Pity Sisters, of course, we have a photo of them, and then what the lighthouse looks like now in St. Augustine, which is one of my favorite pictures in the whole world, I think, now. <laughs> it is such a beautifully done photo. I mean, Just make it your just, background. I know. Just make it your background. That's what I did with the one from the Outer Banks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, which one? <laughs> so, of course, keep your eyes peeled. April 30th. Yes. YouTube content will be coming out from our uh, Redemption MMA Paranormal Snoop Lockdown. And then keep your eyes out for, I'm looking at the calendar, Friday, May 14th. That would be our next monthly live. Yeah. So there's that. And Sorry if you just heard my dryer go. I was wondering what that, I'm like, was that the front door? Oh my it gosh. has these, like different modes. So it's going to like start up again in a few seconds on the wrinkle guard. Oh, wrinkle and then guard. it'll go honk again a couple more times. So. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> So, I think that's all we have for updates in the future. We did also just create our Facebook group. Facebook group, More Than Murder Pod. Not your typical true crime group. 
Join it. Join it, please. We're going to be anything that you want to share that's related to true crime or paranormal. It's like an open forum, guys. Yeah, just a fun open forum. Do memes, articles, videos, and photos of evidence or whatever mm-hmm. you might think is relevant if you want to tell your stories on there. Want to share anything from episodes that, you know, yes. remind you of things or that you know about. Put a funny thing up from one of the episodes, something that made you laugh. You can start mm-hmm. your own Q&A sessions with us. Um, and there's just a lot of different things that we can use it for. So Heck keep yeah. your eye out. If you follow that, then just keep your eye out for new posts all the time or create your own. So and then invite all your friends. Yes, invite all of your friends because that is going to be a community. Heck yeah. So also keep your eye out for the More Than Murder Paranormal group group because we're going to create that. <laughs> the group group where we can share all of our actual paranormal snoop stuff. And you can just kind of centralize all of your haunting and ghost stuff or right if, there. Yeah, and if you're like a ghost like hunter yourself or, you know, you broke into some buildings in your younger days, anything. We want to hear about it. Yeah, but as I said, you can post your, your stories on there. However, just because it'll be fun for you guys, if you want to tell us personally them in an email or a message, like I said, we can actually add that into content and put it right on YouTube so we can actually tell your story to the world rather than just our Facebook group also. So that's always an option too. And thank you so much for listening. For listening to us every week. Yes, thank you. We're almost to averaging like 100 and some odd downloads a week now. Thank you for listening. (laughs) Leave us a review anywhere that lets you. When you do, let us know in an email or message us on the socials so that we can give you a shout-out and get you a little merch goodie bag. Yes, we want to know what you think, guys. Yes, we just want to know. And it helps if you love this podcast. It'll help help us grow more. The more reviews on Apple, the more um, visibility we get because mm-hmm. they do charts uh, where reviews play an important part. It's kind of like your top 20 countdown on VH1. Um, oh, I miss that. I know. <laughs> TRL for TRL. Oh, jeez. Oh, so do that. And if you haven't already, go ahead to all of our socials. You can follow us on Facebook at More Than Murder. And you can also follow, um, besides that, the Facebook group, as we said, More yes. Than Murder. Not your typical, or, sorry, More Than Murder pod, not your typical true crime group. Yep, yep. You can follow us on the Twitter at more than underscore murder. And you can follow us on Insta at more than murder pod. And if you have any stories, as we've said already, that you particularly want to hear, talk, tell us about, or you just simply want to say hi, you can email us at that Gmail at more than murder pod at gmail.com. And that's it for this week, y'all. Yeah, yeah, we're out. We'll, we'll see, see you next week. Yeah. Bye. Bye.